We all know who Corey LaJoy is today, the Cup Series NASCAR driver. But it didn't start that way. It's not like he was born in the Cup Series. It was a long, arduous journey getting to the top level of NASCAR. Let's take that journey together and see how he accomplished this. I knew of God, but I didn't really know God. It took me a heck of a lot longer to get to where I'm at now than I expected. You know, I think I had to have it all taken away to, to really appreciate the opportunities that I've been given. Uh, it's really matters of legacy you leave for the people behind you, right? And if you act a little bit different than everybody else, people take notice. All right, Corey LaJoy, thanks, buddy, for uh, joining us here on a relatable journey. First of all, where are you? You got a lot of swag back there. Got a lot of – I look like I'm in the Randy LaJoy Hall of Fame. Just the – the it's like the mural of – so I'm sitting in Randy LaJoy's office here in the Joy of Seat in Concord, North Carolina. Uh, all of his helmets, some of his, some some others, but uh, this is where I, I usually cop his office um, when I come have to do something. Uh, and especially you. You might not get the soundproof treatment, but you get the office treatment today, Will. I'll take that, brother. Where's the Corey LaJoy Hall of Fame? There's not one. There, there, there isn't a whole lot of stuff in the Corey LaJoy Hall of Fame yet. I got some helmets and a couple trophies. They're kind of spread out. Some of it, most of it's here at the shop. Um, I just haven't uh, acquired an office yet to hang some stuff up. I'm usually in the back getting my hands dirty. That's going to be part of the journey down the road. So, Take me to, through kind of your overarching journey, just of your career, kind of your ups and downs and how you got to where you are at the highest level of racing in the world. And that, yeah, my, my journey's a lot different than a lot of people. You know, some people think that, you know, you, you win a certain race here or there and it gets you to the next level. And it's, you know, the progression like, like baseball, where you go from high school ball to single A ball, double A on up. And a lot of the cases it is, but for me, um, you know, I, I grew up racing for my family. Um, you know, my dad owned all my cars up until I was probably 20, 19, 20 years old. And, uh, in 2012 was kind of like when stuff started taking some traction for me with, uh, having some success and racing against Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott and Daryl Wallace and all these guys in the, in what would be considered probably single A ball, uh, the Canon pro series, Kyle Larson edged me by, by six points in the championship there. And, uh, from there, I, I signed a development deal, quote unquote, with Richard Petty Motorsports. And uh, we had this five year long contract with all this, you know, grand plans with what we're going to do and driving a cup car and just how much money you're going to make and everything's going to be, uh, you know, green skies and, or, you know, blue skies and green pastures. But uh, we weren't able to find any sponsorship. And a couple of kids came in uh, my age that, that essentially bought the Xfinity car. So, uh, uh, that opportunity there at RPM kind of dried up. And what I thought, um, you know, my career was, you know, I, I was 18, 19 years old. I was hot stuff. And, um, you know, I was in the ESPN next magazine with Kyrie Irving. Like, I think that, you know, I'm think I'm somebody right. And next thing I know, two years later, I'm flying to Bakersfield, California every other week to crew chief, a can and car just to, to pay the mortgage. Right. And with, with Dave Mayhew, and I was actually going down that path of being a crew chief, uh, for about a year, uh, and starting to understand the dynamics of the car even better than I, than I had been before in my, in my, in my just journey, if you will. Um, and a, a company that was actually on our car at the 500 this year, youth theory, it was, they were pushing their product ashwagandha, but 
couple, uh, this, I guess would have been 2016. They continue to follow me, follow my social media. And uh, they reached out and, and they said, man, Hey, you know, why aren't you? Cause I met those guys through Richard Petty motorsports and they, why aren't you in a car? And I was like, man, I, I don't have any money. That's really what you need anymore. They're like we want to help get you back behind the wheel. So they, uh, sponsored me, ended up being 10 races. And I took it to a 15th place team being JGL. And that kind of got the ball rolling. And I got a couple more sponsors to get back behind the wheel as much as possible. And, you know, I, I didn't put myself, I didn't push all the chips onto the table to drive for a Gibbs or an RCR or juniors to do, you know, three or four races and, and bet on myself. Uh, I needed to get experience just because I hadn't got any big track experience yet. Um, you know, and, and, that ultimately got me a got me a, a ride with BK Racing in the Cup Series. Was on a one race basis. If you make the 500, we might go to more. Uh, ended up racing my way into the duels to to qualify into that, and uh, that one race deal turned into like 34 or five. And um, BK shut the door, and luckily a couple of partners came with me. So you know, man, there was like so many points in my career where the the train could have stopped, and and for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, not for whatever reason, I know that the Lord used me and has continued to use me in my career to, to, to just, you know, try to be a good example, try to impact people for, for positive inside the car and outside the car. So when you're becoming a crew chief at this point, you hop on a different track, basically. I asked this question because in my career, I, I was a producer behind the camera for trade out of college at ESPN. And everyone thought like, that's awesome. And I was there. I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's neat, but I really, frankly, I just needed more attention. I had to be on air. I had to go back to school to do what I needed to do. And so, and then I moved to Fargo. All my friends were living in back at home in New York City and then to Toledo and Wichita. And the reason I say that is like, it was never a question. Like I'd rather go in New York and work on Wall Street with everybody else. It was like a no brainer that like, listen, I just got to go to Fargo. That's what I'm supposed to do. So when you were being a crew chief, we were like, this just isn't right. This doesn't fit. And God didn't make me to be a crew chief. I didn't know in the moment, right? I mean, a lot, a lot of times you don't really get to choose what you do. You just have to be a good steward wherever you're placed. And, you know, that that's the way that kind of life ebbed and flowed. But I also think that, you know, for an ego check and some humility, you know, that was kind of needed because, you know, I pro it probably came easy. And, you know, I think... I, I probably thought that my, uh, you know, I was this superhuman race car driver, which uh, turns out wasn't, wasn't the case. And, you know, I think I had to have it all taken away to, to really appreciate the opportunities that I've been given. And I still uh, appreciate opportunities like Spire Motorsports has given me here this year with, you know, the best cars I've been able to drive probably in my NASCAR career, not let alone in the cup series. Uh, it's been the best, you know, I, I didn't drive a very good truck. I didn't drive a very good Xfinity car. So you know, to, for these guys to bet on me as well as me betting on them to, for the long game, I think that, uh, it's going to eventually pay off, but I needed, it took me a heck of a lot longer to get to where I'm at now than I expected it to, but you know, it's, it, it all, it's, it's not on my timing, right? It's on his. So it's easy for you now. And I always say this on a relatable journey because it's so much about that journey. You can't look at the dots connected, looking forward. You can always look at them connected, looking back, but when you're in the moment, how did, did you rely on God? Did you yell at God? Were you mad at God? Were you frustrated, confused? Like, how did that look like? And what did just kind of that relationship do? In the uh, all that, all that, right? I mean, like, hey, dude, where are you at? I need some help or, you know, like everything that, uh, 
you know, you, you can get frustrated. You can get, you know, ask why this, why that, but ultimately, you know, you, you know, you have to fall back on the, the truth that he wants the very best for those who love him, right? No matter where you're at, whether you're doing what you want to do or not, um, you know, he's always working things for the very best uh, for, the, for, for you because he, he loves you infinitely more than uh, you can ever imagine. So, um, you know, there was a lot of times I had to fall back on that. Um, you know, man, this isn't where I want to be and I'm not sure why I'm here, but um, let me, let me be a good steward with where I'm at. And, and you know, like I, I, I don't recall the, the verse reference, but you know, don't do, don't work as you're working for man, work as if you're working for the Lord. And I, there was a lot of times I was working, the person who I was working for, I didn't particularly love or want to do a hard, whole lot of work for, but that got me in a bad mindset of, you know, not applying myself or doing what my best capabilities were. So if I look at things like I'm working for the Lord, as opposed to for somebody in particular, it allows me to look at the, the perspective like I should. Man, that's so true. Like we've all had bad bosses out there. And when you make it about them, they control you and they become your God. And if you work for God, then you're always going to go into work a little bit more joyful at least. And then you can rub off the the boss that's in the corner office and just kind of ignore it at least a little bit. Absolutely. How'd, how'd your relationship with God grow because of your tribulations? Like how are you different today than you were back then? Well, having a kid obviously changes a lot of things, you know, that's, that's just a miracle from, from inception really. Um, and, and watching my wife go through that. And, and I mean, anybody that has a kid can probably, can probably agree that, you know, you don't know love until that kid comes out. You, you love your spouse, but you, you damn love your kid. Like it's different. And, you know, that certainly is just, is eye opening to like just the, the, the miracle that, that life is, um, you know, and it, it makes you feel really finite and small knowing that you can't have any, you don't have any control on the outcome uh, of that kid. And, and there's, you know, so many people that, that think they do, but they really don't. Right. But, um, that's another story for another day, but, um, so, you know, there's so many things in my life where I should have, uh, where I stuck my foot in my mouth and said something I shouldn't have or did something that I shouldn't have, but like he has continued to guide me and put me in positions uh, to impact people with, with being Samaritan's feet opportunity being one where we raised over almost a quarter million dollars for that charity, trying to put shoes on feet of, of kids worldwide. And I continue to work hand in hand with, with those guys they are actually in downtown Charlotte. Uh, So it's an awesome charity plug into and, Anytime you go to a shoe donation with those guys and and you put a new pair of shoes on a fourth grader's feet, man, it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to keep it together. To be honest with you, I, I encourage everybody to go do that uh, and, and just get that perspective shifter because you know it's not it it does it doesn't take long for me to you know look at the shoes I'm wearing and be on StockX looking for you know the next pair of off white blazers to go buy or some sort of you know stupid purchase that that. Uh, you know, just because you have a couple of bucks in the bank, when you think about the millions of people in the world who are probably wearing a, a Sprite bottle that's cut in half with some rope tied to their feet, just so they don't get uh, any footboard infection. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to maintain perspective when you're around people who don't have the same, you know, way of looking at life as you do. But trying to to swim upstream versus just letting the current take you downstream is is really important. 
We've talked to a lot of people on a relatable journey so far. So I'm always curious how someone like yourself or anybody finds God and how that relationship starts. Like Daryl Strawberry, when we talked to him, he said, I mean, my uh, his mom was always a believer, but then one day, you know, his dad walked in drunk with a shotgun and then, you know, everything kind of started from there. Mm-hmm. Roman Harper said that he was partying one day, one night in Los Angeles and fe- felt empty despite being around all the women and all the alcohol and all the things that the world tells you you should, you should have and be happy with. So what, how did you find God? Cause personally I was just raised that way and it, and it clicked from the start truthfully. Yeah. And I was raised in a, in a Catholic household. So I did the CCD and, you know, I, I've, my foundation is always, you know, I've known like the facts, right. But I didn't really, you know, I, I say it all the time. Like I knew of God, but I didn't really know God and take them serious until probably five, you know, maybe when, when you don't, when you realize that you're not a kid anymore. Right. And, uh, you realize a lot more stuff's out of your control. It's in your, than in your control. And when you realize the person that's truly in control, uh, is for you and and with you, and you really start putting those things into practice. My wife and I got baptized a couple years ago, uh, together in, in the beach, uh, New Smyrna beach. Um, we went to a, we've been on a couple of missions trips. So, um, you know, it's doing what we do each and every week with, with racing and, and being around those guys. It's so, so easy to compare yourself, uh, to the Joneses, right? You try to keep up with them because you see the, the planes and the, the, the motor homes and the cars and all the stuff that you want to have. But really in the grand scheme of things, man, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it's really matters the legacy you leave for the people behind you, what they thought about you and how they, tr- how you treated those. Yeah, it's one thing I've learned in this pandemic is to stop focusing on other people and just do like do your best. You don't have to always compete against everybody else because you're not everybody else. You're never going to be what they are, or what they're not going to be what you are. So if you just keep grinding on your own grind, it's a lot easier. And to your other point, and an apropos you know, a simile or analogy, if you will, is the, easy, the quicker you take your hands off the wheel, the quicker and easier everything becomes. Well, and it's not like you holding on to the reins any tighter because I've been I've been guilty of this, just like you said. You know, I get more anxious when I when I feel like I can control something. And I'm holding on to the reins, trying to grip it for all it's worth. Is I, I get anxious about it, and eventually it's going to turn out the same way or the, the turn out the way it was supposed to all along, right? So, you know, if you just the the cliche saying is let go and let God, but it really is true in a lot of ways because. You know, you just got to rely on the talents and the abilities that he gives you and, and be a good steward with that and continue to to put the work in, but also know that, you know, the outcome a lot of times is irrelevant. It's really how you handle things uh, to be a good disciple or apostle to uh, to everybody watching because, you know, people don't know necessarily what you believe in or how you, how you perceive a certain thing, whether it be faith or or Jesus or, you know, or anything, but they know how you act. Right. And if you act a little bit different than everybody else, people take notice. Yeah, I agree with that. What's your message to everybody watching or listening to a relatable journey right now that you want them to take away from your journey? I guess how quickly we forget the goodness of God. Right. And, and no matter what it's human nature to forget about, you know, the dreams that you have that sparked a certain idea or the deeds that, you know, were placed in front of you that you ended up just, just agreeing to. And, and, you know, something came about it. Uh, all these God moments, um, are easy to justify and put, uh, you know, in, in kind of like your little box of what you think God is. And, and it's easy. It's 
so easy to forget how good he is. And, um, you know, I think that it, and you have to consciously and in, in, uh, intently pursue him. Like he pursues you get into the word. The only way to know God is to, is to read what he says. Right. And that's to read the word. And, you know, I, I stray more often than I'd like to admit, but, uh, I know that when I do, I got to open the word and, and get back in it to, uh, to really get that, you know, it's, it's sharper than any two edged sword, right. It cuts between bone and marrow. So you got to read the word to know God and, and for him to know, he knows you, he knows how many hairs on your head, hairs in my beard, all that. Like he knows me, but I gotta, I, we all gotta do a little better pursuing him because he knows us. We just gotta know him a little better. And I said this a couple of times as well in this podcast, but during this pandemic, that's one thing I took away because I hope my prayer was always, you know, let me come out of this pandemic better. I don't know what that looks like. You know, just don't let me waste it. Yeah. And it was like, <clears throat> whenever I got, I did my devotion early in the morning, got into it every day, like every day was good. And then when I didn't do it, I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something. And then I went back. So he's not mad. You know, he still loves me. We're still good. We're still on the same page here. So, I mean, yeah. I think that- you know, it's easy to, to get caught up and prioritize other things and, you know, not wake up early and, you know, rush out of the house and not get it in. And, you know, one day turns into a week, turns into a month. And, uh, you know, you got to be conscious about that and, and try to try to keep that tight. Final question. I'm curious, and everyone answers this differently, all the athletes as a professional athlete that is, you know, famous and people look up to that can do no wrong, only see like what you post on social media. Is it harder to kind of humble yourself with God? Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, you think, you know, the more, the more stuff that you have in your life that allows you to quote unquote control it. And, you know, you put, you, I guess you rely less on the, the daily bread, you know, you go to somewhere, a place like Haiti, third world country, those guys are relying on, on community and the daily bread, uh, a blessing almost each and every day to, to stay, uh, to stay fed. And a lot of that time, uh, they don't know where it's coming from until God provides it. Right. And, you know, he, he closed the fields of the, the, the flowers of the field and, and, and the birds of the air. So he, how, how much more does he care about us? Right. So God, God's just awesome. And, and yeah, it's, it's easy. It's easy to, um, think that you can control your own stuff when you have some money and you have a little bit of, and you have a nice house and you can, if you're hungry, you just go buy it. You go to a fresh market and buy steak and you cook it on your Traeger grill, right? Like <laughs> that's just, you know, what we do. And we're so, um, Americanized and, and kind of callous to the, the daily bread of, of what the blessings could be. So you're a Traeger boy, huh? Not a green egg? No, I'm a Traeger guy for sure. I, I love I love that thing. I think it's awesome. I cooked the hell out of steaks on there. <laughs> All right, buddy. We appreciate you popping on a relatable journey, man. Go get a dub this year, all right? All right, thanks, Will. Thank you for joining us on a relatable journey today. Now we need your help. We want to get this in front of as many people as possible. In order to do that, we gotta please the algorithms on all these platforms. This is how it works. You gotta follow or subscribe on your platform and then leave a five-star rating and write a review. I know it can be a lot, but please help us out with this. Because of you, this is a relatable journey.